0: You announced it last week, that's what happened. We were supposed to surprise them. All right, uh, this morning before I. Nancy, can you sit down, Nancy? Thank you. <laughs> I'll get serious here. Um, what? I know. Okay, before I pray here, I'm going to, uh, there's a few people in here that don't really know me, so um, before I pray, I'm going to give you a little background on me, so Becky's over there kind of looking at me like, what am I going to hear? Um, Just to let you know a little bit about me, I'm the one that's most unlikely to be up here in front of you. Absolutely. Um, I'm not a seminary student. I don't consider myself to be a great teacher. Um, I'm at, for those don't don't know, I'm dyslexic. Um, I even have a hard time knowing my ABCs. But my desire is not to be a teacher, to be a preacher, but I'm an evangelist in that. Um, That's where my heart is. I enjoy sharing Christ. Um, Let you know some of my background that before putting my trust in the Lord, before all you put your trust in the Lord, you all look like saints compared to me. Um, I grew up in a home. We didn't struggle financially but we were known as latchkey kids. Um, Our parents worked all day and we would be home alone after school. And our biggest issue was uh, my father who claimed to be a Christian. But when he came home, it seemed like he was always mad. Um, There was times I was beat um, without even knowing what I did wrong. My uh, mom and dad fought quite often um, sadly, my big brother was kicked out of the house at 18 years old and, that, and ended up in a motorcycle gang called the Satan Slaves. He was a drug dealer. Uh, the Satan Slaves are best known for being the only motorcycle gang to patch over to Hell's Angels without having to pledge. Unfortunately, he was murdered by 24. As for me, I made it to 17. when I was kicked out. I lived in the back of a pickup truck for months in California. Who would have known that I was a trendsetter? I guess I just didn't have my own tent. Um, I eventually ended up in an apartment. My mom had to put her name on the the lease because I wasn't 18 yet. and it was not in an area that you would want your kids to be at night. I was hard worker. I usually worked two jobs. Sometimes I literally worked 32 hours straight. And you can figure out how I did that because of my lifestyle. A few years later, I owned a home. I rented rooms, some of which were drug dealers. But let's just say that the lifestyle that I experienced was not one that you grew up with. By the grace of God, I became a Christian when I turned 21, or right before, a week before I turned 21 years old. My mother passed away from cancer shortly after that. My life story is full of tragedies. I did find out after becoming a Christian, that God has used that part of my life to enable me to share the gospel. Approximately eight years, I taught in a rehab. A lot of you know, which is his steps. I was on the board the last year that I was with him. Also, I was a chaplain in the county jail, thanks to Andy Mayfield. I was there for 12 years as a Sunday chaplain. And I'm very thankful I sometimes try to do the estimates and I believe at least 2,500 men and women heard the gospel those years in the jail. And it's only due to the shortage of deputies and that, that I'm not back in there because of COVID. So, but let's pray. Father, I I pray Lord that uh, this is not so much a Sunday school lesson It's, it's just what you've put on my heart. Father, that um, from the very beginning of this church, this has always been on my heart, Lord, that we would serve, Father, that we would serve you, that we put aside our lives and become your servants. Lord, I I pray that um, you would help me get through this. There's parts that hurt, and there's joy uh, to see what the body can become In your son's name, amen. What we're going to be talking about is um, like what I would deal with in the jails. You get people that become Christians and they're like, now what? And it's very simple. You would tell them, you get in a good Bible teaching church. And um, that's kind of where we're coming from, except for you guys are already in good Bible teaching church and you're, you're Christians. Most of them were not Christians. They thought they were because they could sing some song or something like that, but they they really didn't understand. Um, But now what? What do you do? You're a Christian. What does the Bible say? What are we supposed to do as Christians? And that's what we're gonna be talking about. Um, I'm gonna kind of lose my train of thought because as I'm going between what I have written down and. and and talking about it, I just kind of, I lose that. Uh, Just to to show you just how dyslexic I am, if I have to write a letter to a customer, my wife goes, let me see it, let me proofread it. And she starts proofreading it and proofreading it, and she says, let me just rewrite it. So that's how bad it is with my own own writing. Um, But we want to look at our failures and God's faithfulness. so often we, we, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily to remember that it 's what he 's done, but we need to rem- remind to ourselves that we were saved by His work and not by ours, just as Andy had taught us it 's before salvation and after um, so i 'm going to be teaching on examining ourselves and to know how we 're to walk to glorify God that we 'd um, Sometimes in our failures, he uses that to bring us back. We might look and go, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And in that, you'll see how by obeying God, it brings us back to him. If we look at Jonah 1, we see, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me but Jonah rose up and fled to tarnish from the presence of the Lord. Christians sometimes hide because of our failures. We don't want to do what God wants us to do. When you look at that in your life, we're gonna see people in in the scriptures that have failed and how God has turned around to use that for just a moment. Um, The gospels tell us of Peter's failures in Mark 14, it says, Peter was below in the courtyard and one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus in Nazarene. And then he denied it, saying, I've never known nor understand what he was talking about. And he went out onto the porch and the servant girl saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a while, the bystanders were saying to Peter, sure, you're one of them. You're a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear. I do not know the man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made a remark to him, before a rooster crows, you'll deny me twice. Or before the rooster crows twice he will deny me three times and he began to weep. Christians sometimes deny because we're fearful in Deuteronomy it says but for all of this you did not trust the Lord who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go so Christians sometimes don't even trust what they see because their own desires. They want something else than what God has said for them. We can go on and on. David and Bathsheba, his failures, and yet he was a God after man of God's own heart. Christians sometimes are not always guarding their hearts. We have seen a few examples in Scripture of fear, failure, and the need to remember There's always God's faithfulness. What is he calling us? Now, Jonah fled from God. We know the story that he turned, he went to Nineveh. The people repented and Jonah still had a bad attitude and God counseled him. Peter denied Christ three times and the Lord even predicting this still forgave him. Looks like Peter got over his fear. We see him in the scriptures. The Jews, with all their grumbling and complaining, saw that their eyes, they saw with their eyes what the Lord was doing, how much we need to learn to trust the scriptures and tell us to live by faith. King David is our example to guard our hearts, to know that we have a faithful God and that he's going to be there through all the troubles and to call us back that we might walk with him. In the New Testament, Philippians 4 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. But what does this have to do with us now? Our key verse is Ephesians 2.10. It reads, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The figuring out part is what a Christian do once they're saved. But well, The Bible actually is very clear that we are saved unto good works. We know that it has nothing to do with our salvation. By no means is a man justified by his works, but we will bring glory to God in our everyday life and how we live our life in this world so the world can see the good works of our Father. Remember, good works can only be performed after salvation. Before salvation, all your works are filthy rags. Before God, Andy went over this last week. And as we understand that more and more in our salvation, we we can see that, Um, but we also have to remember that you can still have filthy rags, works after salvation if we we're doing it in a self-pleasing, self-glorification. When Jesus would teach about the leaven of the Pharisees, we think of the leaven as in bread and it rising and spreading. But some of the commentaries actually use it as it's a metaphor for their self-pleasing hypocrisy. God's work is the consequence of salvation. It's not the justification. James says in 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, well and good. Even the demons believe that and tremble with fear. But would you like evidence, you empty fellow Faith without works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that his faith was working together with his works and his faith was perfected by works. And the scripture was fulfilled that saying, note, now Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person justif- is justified by works and not by faith alone. Once again, we know ma- no man is justified by works. But Romans 3:24, but they were justified freely by his grace through the dem- redemption of Jesus Christ. For we consider that a person declared righteous by faith apart from the works of the law. So we understand that by keeping a set of rules doesn't save us. But the law does show us we can't keep it. So just to understand where we're going, where I'm going with this is just to understand as a Christian, we wanna serve God. We wanna understand what he's calling us to do. Um, Jesus said, if a man remains in me and I in him, will bear much fruit apart from that you can do nothing John 15 5 and John 15 16 you didn't choose me but I chose you appointed to you that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last and so whatever you ask in my name will give to you John MacArthur was teaching this in the first year that I was saved I was probably no different than those guys in the jail, um, except for I wasn't there then. And I got confused, because I was looking at my life and going, what fruit is there in my life? I became a Christian, I got plugged into a Bible study. People said I needed to go and be in this group called Discipleship Evangelism I felt like I got drug around every Saturday or Friday night or something to different people's homes so that I could give my testimony. I didn't know that that's what God was using. But MacArthur was teaching this and I was looking at my life going, I don't have any fruit, I'm not saved. Literally sat there saying it's time to leave. Anybody that's ever been in John MacArthur's church knows it's about 3,000 people. I'm sitting there with tears running down my face, thinking I'm going to go right back to my old lifestyle. The service ends, and a man comes up behind me. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, do you remember me? I said, you're an usher at that back door. And I said, no, I said, like a year ago, they brought you to my house um, with discipleship evangelism. We heard your story. We said, thank you. We asked you all to leave. And said, "My wife and I pondered that." <laughs> he said that we both became Christians. So I'm like, a church of three thousand people or more, God finds. that time to come to me. I know I had a God that cared more for me than the sparrows. I learned that I can't look back, that I have to do what he calls us to do. Um, I need to serve this God. It was years later and I'd forgot that. I sat out in front of the jail praying, said, God, is this worth it? I've been here for 10 years now. And so often you don't really see the fruit. I would come directly after church, wouldn't get home till 3.30 or four, um, taking time away from my wife. And I just asked God to sh- show me it's worth it, please. I went into the jail and um, I uh, had a note there from the head chaplain said, Mark, please go to the felon's pod. And i went up to the felon's pod and kind of going, okay, Lord, you know, let there be 20 men in here. Let us have a good time with the gospel. There's one guy, just one person. And I walked in the door, and I said, where is everybody? And he said, well, I guess it's just me. Well, we're two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. And I'm like, okay, so I don't need church discipline. Do you need church discipline? That's Matthew 18. And I had a bad attitude. So I was talking to the young man, and he had a Bible. And his Bible was all marked up with all these things all over it. And I said, well, so... Tell me, tell me your story for a minute before we get started. He said, well, I just got out of prison for five years. And I'm here spending a six-month stint or a, a year stint and that. And I said, well, it looks like you dug into your Bible over those five years. And he kind of looked at me. And I'm like, said, what was that look for? He said, you gave me this Bible six months ago. This kid tore up that Bible and that he, he did real well so that time with him God showed me I don't need to see this stuff I just need to be faithful God was faithful that when he got out he was put in the pod that I was teaching that day and got to come say goodbye don't know where he is today but I know he's he's with the Lord somehow as one of those men that you go, he, he, he got it, he understood. And I pray that he's preaching that gospel to himself every day. So let's bring this back. Before this church was, um, I remember sitting down with David Kemp and we were talking about the possibility of a church, and David was making it very, very clear how difficult it would be. He said 50 to 75% of the people that start to come will be gone within the first couple of years that happened. He said getting people to serve was very difficult, and usually it'd be about 10% of the people doing most of the work. Well, we are at a crossroads in this building and I'm here to challenge you as we go through the scriptures, see what God calls us to. Just me being up here was an answer to prayer. Um, Andy had me set to come up here in probably about three years in the time that he preaches. And I prayed and prayed that something would happen that we could get to this early on. And he called me and said that he had something to do and was gonna take him away and asked if I could step in. I said, that's on a Thursday, right? He didn't get it either. But, so we must remember that when we are saved, we're new creations, we're called to serve one another. That we learn how to, how to serve one another by listening to the scriptures, by what the Bible says. For weeks now, John David's been teaching us on how Christ's example of loving those around him and his servants. So we are new creations in Christ. So we should see changes in their lives. As I would see in the jails, I would see men that claim to be Christians, but there was no change in their life at all. In our lives, we have consciences one thing that we have that wild animals do not have. I don't believe that a wild beast would kill another animal or a human being and fill their stomach and sit back and say, why did I do that? But a normal human being knows when he does something wrong, his conscience will convict him. Much more, if we're having the Holy Spirit live in us, we are convicted when we fail to do the things that we're actually able to do. We don't wanna sit back and make excuses and wait for others to do them and we are saved unto good works. We have special gifts. We are to use those gifts, gifts, but it does not mean that we are to put aside other gifts. We are to employ all the gifts we can. Just because you don't have a strong gift for mercy doesn't mean you can't employ it. Believe me, if you knew me before, I was a Christian, there's no mercy. Now, God grabs my heart. I have a new heart. I can be merciful. Titus 3 says that when the kindness and love of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and the rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he's poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things to those who have trusted in God, may be careful and devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. We are faithful stewards of the gifts that God has given to us, but we're not all hands. We're not all feet, but we are to work together as one body. So depending on what your gift are, you most likely be using your talents in different ways. In James, we see though, where it reads that we are to, I'm sorry, in James, we see that if there's a need, we are to meet it. We are not to only use the gifts or be self-serving. So this is my gift and this is what I'm gonna do? No. James 2.15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be filled, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, Faith by itself, it has accomplished, as if it is not a complete, a com- accompanied by action, it's dead. Second Corinthians 9, remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, those who sow generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you decide in your hearts, not reluctantly under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Believe me, I'm not going into your giving. I'm just using these as examples of the gifts that we have. He who is faithful in what is the least is faithful in what is much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the trust of true riches? Not everybody has the gift of giving, but God does desire that we examine ourselves and take it seriously for his kingdom and a blessing which it comes from this. But once again, if that's your gift, don't ignore the other ones. You are the light in the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they must put it on a stand. Give that light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The point is, we want to glorify God. Matthew twenty five forty The king will reply Truly I tell you, whatever you've done for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. You get in the picture yet? It's not just about coming here and getting good teaching and fellowship. We're called to serve. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as my, in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 2 Corinthians 5:10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so each one may receive what is due for the things they've done in this body, whether good or bad. Well, that one brings up memories of David Kemp because he would always say to me, you know, every word, every word out of your mouth you've got to give account for. It says, Mark, when you stand before the Lord, I'm going to pull up a lawn chair because this is going to be good. Love that brother. But we don't run this race without hope. There's a prize that we can stand before our Lord and hear, well done and faithful steward, our servant. Galatians 6, 9 through 10, let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity Let us do good to all people, especially those that belong to the family of believers. Okay, here's where I'm getting to. Here's something that we need to remember. The verse says, especially who belong to the family of believers. You all have your ministries and things like that. But here's where we need to work in our body. We need our body to work together. Colossians three twenty three and twenty-four. Whatever you do, work with all your heart as working to the Lord, not as for a human master, since we know that we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Hebrews ten twenty-four, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Hebrews 13, 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices. God is pleased. First Peter four ten, each has received a gift. Gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards. Romans 12, 6 through 8, having the gifts that are So, if you're a teacher, teach. If you're one that serves, serve. If you exhort, exhort. If you're a giver, give. If you have that gift of mercy, show it. But don't let it end there. John 13, 14 through 15. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow, but do as I've done. Here at Canton Bible Church, we are blessed in our church that we have leaders that we can look at and see how they serve. This service that I'm speaking of is not up front here. That you see that. The type I'm talking about is the little things they do. They make all the paperwork that we have. Right now, they're working with the little kids. They do this Sunday after Sunday. Who's gonna relieve them? Once again, second hour, they're back in there. Sometimes they don't even come into church. They're serving, rotating in with others in our body, willing to serve. not only our pastors it's our elders and their wives it's youth teachers like Mark Ray and Melissa Ray teaching the youth and then second hour working with the little children there's people in here that have done this for 6 years straight who's going to relieve them these are the people that show leadership in our church. They're the examples that we follow. Christ has given them to us to see this in our lives. When we have opportunities to give missionaries, are we tight-fisted? Are we open-handed? That's between you and the Lord. It's been a blessing to hear the sermons and we realize that Jesus came to serve. We are to look at our lives and see what we're willing to do. There's things that need to be done. Yes, we need to make disciples. Yes, we need to spread the gospel. But we also need to serve the household of faith and those that are in our church body those that are at home that need help, need meals? What good are we if we just come and fill ourselves on God's word in our minds and we don't use our hands and our feet? I'm just telling you this to stir you up in the mindset of what the body of Christ would look like if everyone would always be trying to do whatever is needed to be done It was a blessing to see over 20 people show up to help us move our stuff from the old church to get ready for this new adventure. Think what it'd be like seeing everyone meeting the needs of the church body and how they can please our Lord. With this new building comes new opportunities to serve and old opportunities that have been going on for years We want people to use their gifts, but there should be, as John David has said, nothing beneath you to serve one another in love. God's will is to know him. It is to declare him, it is to glorify him. It is to serve Him. Once again, Ephesians two ten reads, "For we are God's handy handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." I want to. This morning, I thought about this. Um, I said, so much of this sounds familiar to my head. Before I built this thing, some of you know that underneath it are some prayers. And, that, and I did that so when I would see this, I would think about those prayers. Some of them are to my wife and my kids. But there's one in here to this church and to the elders. And I'm just going to read two paragraphs from it. My prayers are that Canton Bible Church will never shy away from the word of God. That our elders would always be in unity together in one mind, putting God first. That they would strive to honor each other, to listen to each other, to pray together, to lift up our church body. We have heard that it is our Lord Jesus Christ that we will be his bride. Let us honor him. Let us all do do that what we can. I pray that our church body would love one another, would reach out to those that do not know well, that we don't know well, and to welcome them. And to our church body, love one another. God saved us, prepared us to walk in good works. Not that the works save us, but that we are to be obedient, show love to one one another in service. May God be the first in our lives, knowing and keeping our eyes upon him that we can walk that narrow path. Final um, verse here. And then, Grady, will you close this after I read this? 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we. Uh we bow our heads humbly before you. Father, we understand that your word will not return void. Father, we ask that we would have a deep and abiding word for your love and those who love you. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Show us the things you would have us to do, those needs that need to be fulfilled.